The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. It's episode number 1584, and I've got another Sunday conversation for you. This one is with Morton Bay, who is a PhD in information studies with a specialization in media, technology, communications, and policy. And he's currently a research fellow at the Center for the Digital Future at USC's Annenberg School of Communications. He wrote a study that's been talked about and publicized and whatnot. It's called, the uh, title's a mouthful, because, you know, academic studies are usually weaponizing the haters, the last Jedi, and the strategic politicalization, uh, politicization, excuse me, of pop culture through social media manipulation. And so I am not going to read you the whole study. <laughs> Suffice to say, it's actually very interesting reading you know, if you're into that sort of thing. And if you're not into the reading of it, then I think you'll be into the interview of it where we discussed the results of Morton's analysis of tweets that were sent to Ryan Johnson in the wake of The Last Jedi's release and how people reacted to it and you know whether the firestorm of tweets on Twitter is actually as big as it really was and if it's as legitimately real as it really was. And also we'll talk about the idea of cognitive dissonance, which is the idea of holding two ideas in your brain at once and what your brain wants to do when those ideas don't agree with each other and how this particularly affected people who watched The Last Jedi. So. Stay tuned for the interview, which is coming up right here. And before I drop you into the interview, since I'm not going to say it at the end of the interview, I'll just say it here right now. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Morton Bay, thank you so much for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. Thank you very much. As you know, longtime listener and contributor uh, to the Patreon. I guess it's called a patron. Uh, and uh, <laughs> first time on the show. And thrilled to have you. And the study that you worked on, Weaponizing the Haters, is really remarkable. And I'm so glad that you were able to take time out of your schedule to talk with me about it. Um, one of the things I wanted to jump right in on was sort of the higher level of this study. There's a note in there where you say, regardless of motive, uh, almost all negative fans believe they're in the majority of saying that most Star Wars fans dislike The Last Jedi. Now, that struck me as that old saw about how most people think they're a better-than-average driver. Um, where does this yep. belief come from, regardless of motive? Uh, are you talking about specifically to Star Wars or in general? Specifically to Star Wars and The Last Jedi, in this okay. particular case. Like, how is it that um, people who have a negative reaction to it, regardless of whether it's because of political reasons or actual film criticism reasons, how is it that this perception that they're in the majority, regardless, is is engendered? It's yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think uh, I think a lot of it comes from the times that we live in. To be fairly honest, I think it's uh, we live you know this whole post-truth um, era that people are talking about. 
uh, where um, the the idea of factuality and, and information is kind of a little bit up in the air and getting redefined. And I think uh, b because of the way that, that uh, social media works in particular, uh, we're able to sort of um, ensconce ourselves in these uh, filter bubbles, as some people call them, or echo chambers, where um, where a lot of people only hear from friends that they are, you know, fellow Star Wars fans that agree with them. And so they, they are very often confirmed in their beliefs that they are, that, that they have, that their certain opinion is sort of the widespread one. I once, uh, right after that um, uh, study uh, was, uh, came out there, um, I got an email from a fan in New York who said that he had spoken to at least 60 or 70 people in New York who totally agree with him. So I'm, I must be totally wrong when I'd looked at 967 <laughs> accounts. Um, so I was like, okay, do you know how science works? <laughs> uh, but, um, but I didn't, I didn't reply to him, but, uh, the, um, uh, I think that's what it is. You know, I think a, a, a lot of people are, are sort of, uh, we want, we generally as, as, as people, we want to be confirmed in our belief that that's why confirmation bias is something that can be so strong. Uh, that's why, you know, most uh, people aren't ever actually um, persuaded into anything by, pol by politicians or communication. Or, or, uh, they're nudged towards what they already believe in. And so then it's a matter of being able to express what it is that they already believe in in different ways that ends up being persuasive to some degree. Right. And and if you if you only hear from other people that are, that are sort of your own group and, and who confirm what you're saying. Uh, the only way you can get something different in there is if you believe in facts. And because we have this post-factuality era right now where we're not really, where, where, where we, you know, talk of alternative facts and we have a president that the Washington Post says uh, has lied about 6,300 times in his time as president now. Uh, you know, it's it's just hard for people to to use facts and, and, and information as something that's persuasive. So I just think that a lot of people, um, they, they just they, when they don't hear any different, why should they believe any different? And I think that's you know, I'm very glad you brought up the topic of filter bubbles, because I think that's one that's particularly relevant to the situation. And it's kind of the dark side of the personalization, the personalization of the internet that I don't think gets talked about a lot. You know, the fact right. that Google wants to look at your search history, for example, just to pick on Google, you know, it could be Facebook, it could be Twitter, and see what it is you're searching and try to customize search results for you as you continue to use the engine. But ultimately it ends up shunting out to the side other potentially, uh, you know, conflicting point of views or alternative points right. of view, and it doesn't allow you to get a more roundly um, versed opinion about a particular subject or topic of conversation. It actually just funnels you in more tightly into the lane that you, you know, already feel like you're predetermined to be in. Right. And it's, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, uh, it's something that we who study technology from a sociolog sociological perspective have uh, studied for quite a while, and we've been talking about it for quite a while. There's uh, Eli Pariser uh, talk, started talking about filter bubbles like six years ago or something. But the, the interesting part is that the whole funneling is part of the business model uh, for, for these companies, right? So uh, even though uh, Twitter and Facebook uh, are, are sort of very... Um, 
they, they, they have this uh, publicly, they want to give off an impression that they want to be a public square, mm -hmm. want to be a place where debate is, 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 uh, is had. Uh, it, their their own business models kind of count, uh, contradict that, so it's it's a little difficult for them to. It's like a little bit of a push and a pull that's going on there. Okay, and so then with this public square, it's unusual compared to the actual public square in that you don't get sock puppets and Russian bots in the public square, and that right. it turned out was a significant part of your finding in the study, and so um, I. Hope you could tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about how it is that Russian bots have come to be involved in conversation around the Last Jedi. Right. Well, they actually didn't. There's been a lot of talk about Russian bots, right? Mm -hmm. um, especially with this study, but we actually don't, or I don't say anything about Russian bots. Um, the uh, a bot is a, a is a somewhat automated account that that. Basically, just you know, uh, it's it's basically based on some kind of algorithm that reacts to social media content that's already out there. And I found 11 of those amongst the 967 accounts that I looked at. Uh, I and none of them appeared to be Russian. Uh, so when you see headlines uh, around everywhere that 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 says something about Russian bots, I'm like. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, shucks. Then that means I have misread in my in my prep work for that. So I apologize. Well, no, no, don't don't apologize. You, it's it's like, I think you know, seventy percent of all tweets that have reacted to this story and headlines that have reacted to this story has has made that error. So you are not alone at all. And it is it is difficult. I mean, what's the what's the difference between a bot and a troll and a sock puppet? It, that can be a little difficult to discern. So the Russian thing was that I, amongst those 967, I found um, a, a number, um, I think it was 67 um, uh, or 68 um, uh, accounts that could be said to be sort of political activists that, that were agitating for something political without really being very Star Warsy. Now you and I both know what a, a, a real Star Wars fan looks like on Twitter, right? Because we mm -hmm. are one of them, <laughs> and um, and uh, and so um, all of a sudden you would get like the NRA activist that would uh, jump into the discussion and start um, agitating for gun rights, um, and just like throw in some throwaway line about how much he hates the Last Jedi, mm. and 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 that would be sort of a pattern that I saw that I thought was really interesting because we haven't really seen before in fandom like that. Uh, there's a whole, there's a whole fandom studies, a whole science in itself. Um, we, we haven't really before seen uh, this kind of uh, political ag agitation being, uh, being done. And so I thought that was really interesting. Um, uh, it, you know, fans can have political opinions, but like direct agitation is not something that we've seen a lot of. So I started looking into that, and amongst those 67, I found 16 that looked like they were um, uh, Russian trolls. So the, the kind of, of humans, human um, um, influence operators, as we call them, that, were, that would have been um, active during, for instance, the 2016 presidential election. And, uh, and, and I spend a little bit of time on that in the paper because... It's um, it's it's not necessarily interesting. It's in itself that that all of a sudden uh, you see um, uh, Russian trolls start going into um, uh, pop culture discussions. They've been there for a while. Um, uh, it was interesting that even Star Wars now had 
the sort of what I would say is the minimum of, of, of presence of Russian trolls that we would expect at this point. So that was my point in the paper. And of course, the media jumped on that like crazy. I was like, oh my God, there are Russian trolls in Star Wars. And it's like, <laughs> that's not the point. Look at the, look over here for the, <laughs> the political agitation that's happening from American trolls. You know, that's much more important. But, uh, you know, you can't control the media narrative as a scientist always. So, the, but, but, so basically, what it was was that, that, that I found these, these, uh, these accounts that, um, and, and it's very important to say what the, those accounts did was, was they they met the criteria for uh, Russian trolls. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they are 100% Russian. Mm -hmm. uh, that we can't do that kind of attribution uh, with precision. Even the NSA and and the CIA, who, who they can get closer to it, but they can't really be be 100% certain. Uh, so we um, so so what I said in the paper was that there were these 16 accounts that appeared. To, to meet the criteria for Russian trolls. Uh, and that kind of blew up all over the place. Got it. And so this is something that I, you know, did want to ask you as my last question, but we're right here on it. So I'm going to ask it now. You know, the fact that the media is, you know, jumping on this narrative and you mentioned that, you know, it's some, you know, light fandom based sites and sometimes it's actual mainstream media. Jumping on these stories where agitation is being created and, you know, the media recognition of it almost legitimizes it to a larger degree than it should necessarily be legitimized. How, as a, you know, garden variety person, should we react to this sort of thing? How should we, you know, either, you know, should we be destroying all media sources? I mean, obviously, that's not the answer, you know, but right. and throwing your Twitter out the window is not the answer either, you know, going right. like... Uh, Howard Finch and gone, I'm mad as, you know, these are not yeah. answers. But in this day and age, what is a, what is a well-reasoned response? Uh, I love the network reference there. I think uh, a lot of uh, your younger listeners will not <laughs> get that one, probably. Uh, anyway, the, uh, you know, it's TV, kids, TV. It's like a box with pictures in it. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the, um, so I guess, uh, You'll have to come back to me for a concrete answer to what to do with it, because that's something that we are discussing in my field right now. Mm -hmm. uh, like there are uh, tons of um, uh, solutions and, and people work looking at this right now from journalistic angles, from uh, social media studies angles, which is where I am situated right now. And um, but. What I can say, and this is something that that I've actually been working on with Bethany Messina, who's a, who's a, a University uh, of Rochester political scientist or professor of political science at the University of Rochester, uh, who who also did a Last Jedi study and published it about a week before I published mine, and and she did it in the Washington Post, um, and and we've been working together on a on a paper uh, after uh, Wendick got fired from the um, from the Marvel. Uh, uh, comic books, right? Uh, because what we saw there, we're both very interested in this whole sort of so how social media impacts the real world, um, and, and we're all also both interested in, in pop culture. So it was so uh, the whole Chuck Wendig thing seemed kind of interesting to us. And what we what we found, I can't I can't. It's still under peer review, so I can't tell you a lot about it because uh, some of these things uh, will likely change after the peer review. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you some, uh, like uh, give you a little bit of snippets from our empirical research, which shows that we, so we compared 
the the tweets that are that were that the tweet storm surrounding Roseanne Barr when she got fired for her racist tweet mm-hmm. by ABC, and then Chuck Wendig's uh, firing and the tweet storm that came right after that. And what we could see was that um, uh, even though they both got enough notoriety to you know be dismissed because of it, uh, the one that happened around Chuck Wendig has a sus- substantially larger number of of bots, and, and here we're talking actual bots, not trolls, mm-hmm. um, uh, that um, that uh, amplified, as we say, his, the message. Um, uh, and so uh, on top of that, there was what we call influencer amplification, which is uh, a lot of right-wing uh, people like uh, um, uh, Ben Shapiro and, and Ethan Van Skyver from the whole uh, Comicsgate uh, uh, thing, uh, they they got in there and retweeted and commented uh, on 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 Chuck Wendig's um, uh, original tweet. It was it, he had tweeted a very sort of foul language tweet about uh, after the Brett Kavanaugh uh, confirmation, and so he so basically what we could see there is that we're in the in the Roseanne Barr case. It's sort of very organic uh, people. Uh, that that are just like reacted uh, angrily to her tweet. Um, some left wing influencers in there, of course. Um, uh, we, what we see with Chuck Wendig is that it's much more of a system. It's much more systematic. It's like it, it basically on on the right right now. And this is our main probably going to be our main takeaway from the paper is that on the right, you right you uh, in American politics right now, you have this machine that you can feed. Uh, stuff into, and then it creates uh, artificial outrage. Now, when I say machine, I don't mean an actual machine. It's a metaphor for a system of of uh, Twitter influencers and bots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, you 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 feed something in, and and what comes out at the other end is this massive amplification of uh, of anger and outrage um, that 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 then feeds into the media, and then you get even more amplification. And so. Um, so, so that's that's kind of interesting because that's something that the left in American politics doesn't really have, and that and 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 that's uh, so so yeah that's kind of the the overall uh, work that we're looking at, and it goes back to what you were saying before about the what what we should do because it's there there are like two things from from my research and from Bethany's research that that kind of stand out in that sense, and that is just. Uh, media literacy and awareness. Mm-hmm. Just be really conscious that if you see something going crazy on Twitter, um, if somebody is really, really angry or you see a lot of tweets about the same thing, it might be manufactured. It might be artificial and it might be somebody who is trying to, to push a political agenda, either left or right. Uh, so, so there's so, you know, uh, we used to say, don't believe everything you read in the newspaper. I think <laughs> the same goes for social media today. And perhaps only more so. Right. <laughs> um, one other question I had for you, and I know we are limited on time. I'm very grateful that you've been able to make the time in your schedule today. Um, one of your findings about the people who were particularly outraged about The Last Jedi, and actual people who were outraged about The Last right. Jedi, has to deal with um, their own uh, political leanings and the idea of cognitive dissonance. I love right. being able to talk about psychology <laughs> subjects. Yes. So, um, for the layperson, could you please explain cognitive dissonance in general and then the application of it in the case of The Last Jedi? 
Right. Well, you're the one with the uh, with the education in psychology and sociology, so you'll have to correct me if I say something wrong here. But um, so what what since I come out of sort of a media and, and communications background and information, uh, for me, cognitive dissonance is about attitude adjustment mm -hmm. because of cognitive dissonance. So it's like uh, the interesting thing that I or the thing that I find interesting is when we change our behavior because of cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance in itself is when you have two conflicting ideas in your head at the same time. That's sort of the very brief explanation. It's basically this idea that uh, you, uh, for instance, uh, if you know something to be true, but something is right in front of you that says uh, that that what you have in your head is not true, and it's it's a, a source that's valid enough for you to believe it, then all of a sudden you have this cognitive dissonance. You have two things that 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 just don't. Uh, that that don't uh, fit together in your head, that, and you have to believe both of them. So that's kind of the that's cognitive dissonance. Then there was this guy Leon Festinger who who had who, who put forth a, a communication theory about how that can force us cognitive dissonance can force us to change our attitudes and behaviors by uh, uh, it's, it, one of you know and a classic example is that you're um, if if you are paid a substantial amount of money. Uh, sorry, if you're paid uh, a not so substantial amount of money to go um, uh, talk on something or give give a talk on something somewhere um, and, that you don't really believe in, you can't just say, "Oh, I'm just doing it for the money. Why am I doing this?" Mm -hmm. uh, and that that might end. Uh, this is what Festinger says, at least. That might actually lead to you starting to believe what you are saying. Uh, you might want to uh, start. Uh, even though you at the beginning did not believe it, you want to start believing it because uh, just to alleviate this cognitive dissonance in your head. And so the um, so what what I'm saying is because I think that's the, it's basically what's happening in our society writ large right now. I think a lot of people are seeing um, a uh, they're they're faced with some some things in society right now that they can't really get to grips with. Uh, but uh, but on the other hand, they they also have some strong held beliefs that they've had their entire lives, and so they they are trying to figure out what to do with that. And I think a lot of attitude change happens. One of the things that happen, for instance, is to stop believing the media, because hey, uh, let's say I've been a conservative my entire life and I have very conservative values. Now all of a sudden, uh, conservatives are being very irrational and 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 saying things that are blatantly untrue. Uh, but it's the media who's saying that it's untrue. So I guess I have to disbelieve the media, though I did believe the media before. So that's where, where sort of the, the media part of it comes in for me is this idea that, oh, you know, uh, it can't be right that this is in a certain way because my beliefs are so strong. So I'm going to attitude, uh, change my, my belief and attitude towards something that I would normally not have um, <clears throat> believed. In Star Wars, <clears throat> I found that to be interesting uh, uh, that was actually what motivated the study um, that ended up me finding all these this political po all this political agitation. What motivated that was originally this this thing where that I saw, um, uh, which is kind of ties back to the example I gave you before with the guy, the email that I got from the guy in New York, who's like, mm -hmm. "How can it be that everybody around me hates the Last Jedi, and I am, and 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 the media and all these facts." are saying that it's a huge success, like $1.6 billion in revenue, you know, or, um, 
or the fact that it's, you know, the, the number one, I think still the number one Blu-ray uh, from 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what, how is it that that, you know, and so they come up with all these crazy uh, ideas that, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, some kind of conspiracy or, you know, that, that, uh, that they're put, that Lucasfilm is pushing, pushing some kind of social justice agenda, which they are, but not in a way that is sort of overtly political, just in a way that's, uh, that they've always done, you know? And so there's, so there's just like this, they, they change their attitudes to, to think about, to, 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 um, get something in there that, that, that isn't really there because, the uh, the alternative would be cognitive dissonance right and then you know similar to also what we were talking about with filter bubbles and about you know the echo chamber idea of you know wanting to stay in the lane that you're already in right your natural predilection is to look at that cognitive dissonance situation and say well i'm want you know the brain naturally wants to resolve the dissonance and get back Correct. to you know a you know harmonic situation but yes. at the same time, the ego also wants to defend itself and say what I, what it is that I think is right. And so the solution to the dissonance has to be, generally speaking, you know, directed at the outside. Well, how can right. I you know, change what I'm seeing out there in order to interpret it in a way that aligns with what I already believe or what my ego already believes? And then we get to situations where even though, as you know, point out, Lucasfilm has already been a, you know, fairly progressive, left-leaning, if you will, organization and storyteller. And certainly nothing about the sequel trilogy has, you know, has gone against that. But it just so right. happens that the topics that are being covered this time around, I would say, are probably different topics comparatively in that left-leaning spectrum from topics that were covered in other, you know, Star Wars movies. And so it just happens to be that we're hitting on you know, we're hitting on the ones that are really kind of touching a nerve, so to speak. Right, right. And, and, and are, are also, I mean, there, there's several aspects to that, I think. And, and, and by the way, thank you for that great um, explanation. It's, I mean, it's, it's so cool to hear it from somebody who's versed in psychology because <laughs> it's it kind of, you can, you can kind of explain the, the internal part of it. I can only sort of see it from the outside. Uh, but the, um, one of the things that I think also happened sort of generally with uh, with The Last Jedi was that uh, I think a lot of people had not really gotten the message. No, let me let me start in another uh, in another way. I think that um, uh, I think, first of all, we have to remember that The Last Jedi is the first uh, Star Wars movie in the Trump era. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the first movie to come out after Trump got elected. Uh, and so I think a lot of people, first of all, felt uh, have felt. Uh, more empowered to be more um, vocal about what they felt about it um, in ways that they maybe not have wanted before. You know, this whole uh, sort of coarseness of the discourse that that uh, or or harshening of the dialogue that that that, that Trump has caused. I think that that's part of it. Um, so, but I also think that the, for the cognitive dissonance part that. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people have come up with Star Wars not being at a time when they were not political yet. And then in between uh, the prequels, somewhere in the between the prequels and and uh, the, the, the sequel trilogy, they grew up and 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 they went through perhaps a whole process of, of uh, politicization during this uh, uh, during the lead up to Trump's election. 
And all of a sudden, they then, right after Trump got elected, walk in and see this movie that's, you know, in line with the rest of the Star Wars universe, but talks about war profiteering and has a, and, and has a, a, a you know, um, a strong stance on, on female empowerment. And so I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I think maybe people just were just shocked. And I think that that, that, that's, that might be one of the places where the cognitive dissonance sets in. Uh, that that wait a minute uh, isn't this supposed to be something else? Um, it must be because somebody is doing something to it that um, that uh, that that really isn't there. And you're opening doors for further conversation here as well. And I think what I'm going to have to do, because I, I know, again, that we are tied on time and you have other appointments that I have to get you to. So we're going to cut it here. And hopefully, perhaps when uh, the paper that you're working on with Bethany Lucina comes out, perhaps we can have the two of you on the show together. We can talk about that and we can dig into a couple of other uh, topics as well. That sounds great. Love to. Well, again, Morton Bay, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk with me about this. And, you know, congratulations on getting the study out and all the thank tremendous you. positive response for it. It's been, you know, it's it's a very enlightening read, and I highly recommend it to all of our listeners and viewers. Morton, thank you so much again for your time. Thanks for having me. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.